the Lord spoke to Revelation chapter 2 if you would turn there people who are not feeling well and it's that time of the year. It just is. The latter part of winter turns that way. So we'll close the day with some prayer requests and, and remember these people. I'm glad for you people who are outside this morning and people who are in here. We look at these things because I believe this, that the church is going to go through some horrendous suffering and not too far away. You may or may not believe that. The Bible describes it, says it's going to come, and we can see the leading up to it pretty clearly in the world if you look at it. And so look with me in Revelation and chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty but thou art rich, and the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Pray with me if you would. Father, this morning we're grateful to be here. Lord, we just thank you for the speaking to the churches that our Christ has done. And we just pray this morning we might take heed. We might into our hearts and minds, our spirits and our souls. Take heed to the warnings that Christ gives. Take joy in the admonition and understand fully as best as you'll give it to us this morning what it means for us. And so, Father, we just ask for this hour all the things of the world be pushed out of this building, out of our minds and out of our hearts for now. Allow us as one congregation who is so grateful that we can be here before you and with you. Allow us to hear from your spirit this morning we pray and the Holy Spirit freely speak to us and our ears be attentive to hear Father we just ask now you bring this message be this hour our teacher give us understanding now enlighten our hearts we pray in Jesus name Amen the shortest of the seven churches that's the message to the church of Smyrna now, Smyrna, the, the, the name itself comes from the word uh, myrrh, which means bitterness and suffering. And I want to say to you this, that the great consolation of Christ to a suffering individual, a church, a group of any kind, is he's already done the suffering for us. He's walked our fire. He's paid our debt. He understands, and he's done the suffering for us. And he understands your suffering. He understands your pain. And it's much easier said when you're not in the midst, in the fire yourself. We all understand that. But can I tell you this? That's who we are as a group. That's who we are as Christians. If you know someone who's suffering, we are to circle them and pick them up and encourage them and love them. 
the love of Christ is shown to them. It doesn't matter that they cause their own suffering sometimes. It doesn't matter who caused it. It matters they're in the fire. Amen, brother. And we love each other. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what a congregation is. That's what a church is. And so I just want to say this morning, we look at this church, the church of persecution, the church suffering, and we see the truth of who Christ is in the middle of that church. I want to say as we begin, and we'll hit it probably at the end again, but I want you to think of this as we're listening to this this morning about this church. Now, this is, a, this is a truth from Paul, meaning it's from the Holy Spirit. But what he said to the group as he was talking in Acts in chapter 14, in that group he was talking to, he said this, and when they had preached the gospel in that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. This is what they did. Now, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. What did he tell them? He confirmed their souls. Do you believe what the Bible says? Do you believe the gospel message? Do you believe Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that? Do you believe he came? As the Bible says, as Paul talked about in the first uh, few verses of the 15th of 1 Corinthians, he said, now this is the gospel that Jesus Christ came and that he died according to the scriptures. Huge statement. Folks, it's got to be according to the scriptures. Christ came and he died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Do you believe that? Do you believe all the scriptures have to say about that? And it's a fulfillment of prophecy, but it's the greatest truth of every Christian has ever lived. We serve a risen Savior. That's an amen, brother. We serve a risen Savior. Praise God. All other isms and religions serve dead leaders. And all other religions and all religions say this, you join us or die, we'll kill you. You join us or die, you want know what Jesus said? Join us and live. Come on. Amen. Come on, man. You don't have to die. Amen. You don't have to die. I died for you. Are we going to make mistakes along the way and cause some suffering of our own? I do. How about you? I don't care if you do so much, but I call myself stupid from time to time. And then I agree with me. Because I'm pretty sharp. Do something stupid, just say so. I mean, you might as well admit it to yourself at least and hide it from somebody. I do things that cause my own suffering. I want to say this to you. In this world, in my Christian life, most of my suffering to this point has been in my own hand. Most of my suffering as a Christian, a believer, has been in my own hand. It's been not doing the things I knew the Spirit was telling me to do. My own hand. That's a fact of life. Now, there, now the Bible says there's a day coming when the suffering is going to be from somebody else's hands. And the Lord said, endure it. That's right. Endure. He said, you know where you're going. Now, why would I want to endure suffering? Why would I want to do that? You don't know who's watching. Right. Some little soul out there is going to go, he stood He stood in that fire. He must have believed something about that. She stood in that fire. When the fire was raging all around them and there was no hope left, they just stood there. And they loved those who were ignorant of the truth. And that's our mission as a church. And so it says, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these things, 
which saith the first and the last, he which was dead and is alive. Now, if you're going to be a martyr, or if you're, if you're facing martyrdom, it's pretty good to get counsel from the best martyr, isn't it? Look, I've done it. I've been, I've been there. I've been in a lot of deathbeds, and I can't tell them what they're facing. I can tell them what the Bible says if they're a Christian. I can't tell. It's the unknown. That is the whole thing. When you're laying there dying, it's, it's an, you're going somewhere no one can tell you about. A little boy with a boy. Your dad can tell you all about bullies and tell you how you face down a bully. Been there, son. I was your age once, and I stood in the same place. Financial crisis. People been broke can tell you, I know, seem like the world's collapsing, but here's what you do. And we'll help you. But you need to do these things. All kinds of things in this world come to us, and we can help each other. Those who have been through those things before, but for dying, we don't know. I simply tell them, here's what the Lord said. And I believe it. And I got to tell you this, I want to say this clearly, that when I was dying, when I have been at the point of death a couple of times, I've been where doctors said, you might not get off this table. I want to tell you, see, that joy, that peace. peace. I had peace of heart. That's the truth. That's the honest truth. I had peace of my heart. I knew this. Praise the Lord. If I wake up there in 10 minutes or 5 minutes, I'll wake up there good for me. That's right. Good Amen, for Lord. me. The Lord said, you, you fought enough. Praise the Lord. But I can't give that peace to other people. They have to get it from the Lord themselves. I can just tell them what the promises are. But the one who promises a great martyr, the one who can raise all martyrs, gave this. He says, write these things to the church of Smyrna. Again, it comes from the word myrrh. You remember the birth of Christ. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh and spoke of the suffering of his life. They put that stuff on a reed and stuck it in the mouth when he's on the cross. It's gall and bitter. The bitterness of life. And so John, in John 6 and 40, it says this, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up again at that last day. You believe that this morning? One place in the Bible it says in David was talking to his son Saul, and he said this, Now I go, son, be a courageous man. Be a man of courage. I want you to be a man's man. But I tell you this, I tell you this because I'm going the way of all the earth. If you live here long enough, you're going to die. Everyone does it. Everyone goes through that gate. The promise of Christ is to believe on him. You'll have everlasting life. And he said, I'll raise you up at that last day. I believe that. I believe that. People afraid to die. Many people cling to me in the hospital and deathbed and say, I'm afraid to be put in a box and buried. I'm claustrophobic. So am I. And they don't make clothes that aren't tight on me. So I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to know a thing about it. Right. Last night I turned my head, got my pillow just right. Looked at the dresser next to my bed, and that's the last thing I remember until this morning. It's called sleep in the Bible. You don't know a thing about it. 2 Timothy 4 and 18 says, And the Lord shall deliver me, Paul says, from every evil work, 
and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then 2 Peter 2 and 9, it says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. This is the Lord. Now for those of you who don't remember, the morning... Uh, We look in the first chapter of Revelation for three weeks. Because I move warp speed. But we were in Revelation 1 for three weeks, and folks, do you, do you see with me the beauty of that description of Christ? Can I say this to you? Will you take this from me that Jesus came here on the earth to reveal the Father? And now the Father said, I'm going to reveal my Son. When Jesus came, he opened the Beatitudes, and he says, these are the kingdom, the constitution of the kingdom. He said, blessed are they that, and he gave several, several character traits of the blessed. Blessed are they that mourn. God bless you. Blessed are the peacemakers. God bless you. That's a trait born in the kingdom of God itself. That's in the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. And so the son came and he opened his ministry by saying this, I'm going, to reveal, I'm going to reveal my home and my father to you. And when he died, he said, um, my kingdom is not of this world. I've been speaking about a kingdom not of this world. I'm not here to take Caesar's kingdom. I don't want it. I have one that's way better than this. Praise the Lord. And so the Son came to reveal the Father. Now in Revelation 1, the Father reveals the Son, and he gives all the characteristics. Now. This one who's been through the fire for us. His feet are burnished brass. He's walked somewhere in fire. You know, I've had pastors get on me and say this. You can't say that. Hmm. I'm glad I can say that. He's down there. He took my hell. He took your hell. You know what it means to pay the debt? Go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do and pay what you're supposed to pay. And the debt, my debt was hell. And he paid it for me. He had to get his feet burned a little bit walking down that fire because he had to take those keys from Satan. He said, give me the keys. I have the keys to death and hell. You know what a key does? It unlocks and it locks. He said, which side of the gate you want to be on? Just come to me. I'll take you outside that thing. Oh, I got old preachers and young preachers. I preachers say you shouldn't talk like that in front of a group. They'll believe that. He took my hell. That's why I'm here today. Praise God. He took my hell. Oh, I've been, I've been stupid and foolish and very fleshly through the years, and I've made my hell even hotter. But he keeps extinguishing. He said, you don't have to go there. So what do I lose in this? What do I lose in this thing? I lose my rewards. There will be a place at the judgment seat of Christ where he'll say, at that point in your life, you could have blessed many and you chose to do what you wanted to do. And the collateral damage is rough, boy. Look at those people who, they need you right then. But you were doing your thing. And that's what I'm telling you about me now this morning. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling you about me. Why would there be a judgment seat of the, of the saved if, why would there be a judgment seat of the same? What's the beam of seat about? The judgment seat of Christ. He's going to say this. I know this is what it's going to be. 
here's what I had for you, and here's what you took of it. All right, folks. That's right. When those days you did your thing, the fruit was not the same as the fruit I had for you. Now, I preach it that way, and I believe it that way, and it helps me stay straight on some things. Because it's not about me. It's about the collateral damage I can cause. And uh, one of the great lessons of that, all by itself, the Lord gave us children. And I'll tell you something. When I see my children do some things, I know where they got it. Yeah, I do. Their mother. Um, <laughs> Revelation 2 and 9, listen to me. He said, I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. He knows what we're doing here. And I said this, I've said this so often in these churches and this church. You know what this is? The Lord said, I am the qualified judge. I'm the judge. I'm the qualified. The first chapter of Revelation does nothing more or less than give us his qualification. He said, I am the one that was dead and I'm alive. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm it. I'm all of those things. I'm the creator of the world. And I will be the judge. And all those things he says about himself with the white hair and the flaming eyes and the gold girdle around his paps and his feet as the burnished brass. He said, I'm the only one that could, and I did. I love you. And you look at my toes and my toes are burning. Why? I walked in your fire. But I'm the only one here qualified to tell you what you're facing. He was giving the grade card to those churches one at a time. This is how you're doing. This is a progress report, folks. And then he says this, and I'm telling you, repent. I'll tell you where you're doing well, and, and God bless you for that. Have merciful. But I'm telling you where you're falling short, and you better repent or else. And that's not an idle threat. It's not even a threat. It's what he has to do in his righteousness to unrighteousness. He can't be a party to unrighteousness. He doesn't say you do what I say or else like somebody's gangster friend or some hateful man. He says it like this. I'm, I'm all that righteousness is. And I can't be party to or lend my name to unrighteousness. And if you go off the path, I can't have my name there anymore. I'll withdraw the candlestick, he says. I'll take the light out of your church. Well, what's the light? He said, I am the light of the world. He even said in the, in the early part of Matthew, he said, ye are the light of the world. We're the reflective light of the great light. Mm -hmm. But he said of himself, I am the light of the world. And if you're not going to do what I ask you to do, if you're not going to promote righteousness and truth and honesty and a true way of salvation and what it means to be a Christian, I'll take the light out of there. You'll shut the church down? No, a lot of churches going big guns with no Christ in it. There's a lot of churches out there, the big organizations, and they're that, they're organizations. They got a lot of money coming in, they got a lot of activities, they got men's basketball on Sunday afternoon, they got something every day going on in the building. But there's no Christ there. I've heard men stand in the pulpit, get up and read a verse, and then explain it away, say why that doesn't, that's not what that really means. I'm telling you, it means every word, and he means everything he says. To this church, he says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. 
I know that I know the tribulation that's come upon you. And he says, been because of that, you think you're poor. You've given all there is to give, and you've just given out until there's nothing left. You're, you're exhausted. And he said, I'm telling you this. You're the richest of all of them. You have true wealth. Enduring riches that Solomon talked about. You have riches that are going to, when you come home, they're going to be stored up for you in heaven. Praise God. You're sending your riches ahead. All those other things that people have, these organizations and these big buildings, and I'm not against those things. There's some wonderful churches in big buildings. There's some gospel going on in some big buildings. But a lot of them are dead. That's what he said to the first church at Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. Boy, that'd be something to make your ears perk up. If the Lord was here today speaking to us and he said, this little church here, and he gave us a great card, would you listen? Well, this is what this is. He's talking to the churches, and he says, now listen, be sure, be sure you don't have this problem as a church. He says, I know. The interesting thing about this, he says, you think you're poor? You believe you're poor, but I'm telling you, the Lord says, it's you're rich. Now, look at chapter 3 and verse... 17. This is Laodicean. This is the last church. This is the church of our age, by the way. He says in 3 and 17 to the Laodicean church, he said, Because you say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve. That thou mayest see. That's something. He says, I'm coming to judge two, seven churches. And the second one, he says, you think you're poor, but you're rich. The last one, he says, you think you're rich, but you're poor. I wonder what we got going on here. What do you think? What do you think he'd say to us? I don't know, but when he says, say to the angel of the church, that word, at least in five of these, says to the minister of that church, to the pastor of the church. He said, say it to the pastor. The blame is on the pastor. He said, where are you leading them? What are you telling them? That's right. What are you saying to them? And oh I know you I know people don't like hearing it. I know you're not going to draw some crowds. I know people get up and leave and I've seen that too. And he said, what are you telling them? You tell them the truth or not? And I've told you this, and I'm going to tell you one more time because it means so much to me. I did my, one of my first funerals was a graveside only. And there's been a lot of reasons for graveside only the last couple of years because of the COVID different things. But this was a graveside only because they didn't want much preaching. And I said, what'd you call me for? Because I was young and the men thought they could push me around. And three of the men in the family come up before the, before it started and said, we don't want to hear any Bible today. 
And I said, I thought I'd advise you to stand to the back then. If you don't want to hear what I'm saying, you better stand over there where that bagpipe is playing. About 40 yards from here. You know what I did do, though? All those guys, I, I was standing by the casket there, the fellow that, you know why I was there? I was there because he loved me. He, the one deceased, loved me. But his family didn't. And boy, dealing with families as a pastor, I don't want to say too much, but you people are ugly. <laughs> now, I mean on the inside too. Don't take me wrong now. <laughs> I went there and I did that. And these men came up, three of them came up, and they got on either side of me and started squeezing me in. And they were just kind of pushing on me and said, we don't want to hear Bible today. I said, why'd you come here? Why didn't you do the funeral? He said, because it's protocol to have a preacher. And I said, now if you don't want the Bible, it's not. I'll tell you what I did do. I watered it down some. I did. What do you think of me? I watered it down some. I did. I didn't say everything I had prepared to say. And I believe the Lord told me what to prepare. I worked on that for a while. And uh, I know this. When you're at a funeral, you have a little different audience than you have on a Sunday morning when things are well. And so I gave the message there, and I, I left some things out. The amount that I did say made them mad. They're cursing at me. Well, I talked to the widow, shook the hands of the kids, and I walked over to my pickup truck and I cried like a baby. And I promised God, never again. I swear to you. Swear to you right now, I'll never, do, I'll never, I felt so dirty, I had to go home and scrub myself, and I told God I'll never do it again. I don't care if they put a gun to my head, I'm going to die that day, I'm preaching the gospel. If they call me, they're going to hear the word of God. And you know what? My old wife here is tell you, I've been to some places, and they were threatening, and th so what? So what? We were leaving a, a funeral one day, and the Guy come up and shoved himself into me. He said, why don't you not go outside? I said, I love it. Let's go. He said, oh, you would? And I said, well, I got stuff built up in me for 20 years. I'm ready to hit somebody. Come on. He said, you go outside? And I said, I'm going to hurt you real bad, too. I'm going to hurt you bad. He said, well, you go on out there then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be a headline, wouldn't it? <laughs> here's what I'm telling you this morning in this little church this is the shortest message to any of the seven churches but here's what God says to us through his son Jesus Christ who's already suffered and died knows all about it read the gospels how his life was he was tortured on every turn and he had a bunch of followers that couldn't figure it out See, he didn't have a place to go except up in a mountain at night to Talk to the Father. Along the way through the Gospels, read the book carefully. Along the way through the Gospels, he turns everyone down and says, you understand me? They go, well, yeah, we understand you. <laughs> Nothing, folks. <laughs> Be like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, got it. He said, 
he accused Peter of being Satan. You remember that? Get behind me, Satan. He said, who do men say I am? And Peter said, well, you're the, the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, oh, you're blessed. Flesh and blood had not revealed that to you. That's from the kingdom above. The Holy Spirit gave you that. That's a gift. The next thing he said was, get behind me, Satan. He said, now I'm going to die. He said, no, never. He said, really? Get behind me, Satan. Out of his same throat came a message from the kingdom of God and the pits of hell from the same throat. That's just us. That's just us. Let someone make you good and mad. See how your, your Sunday voice comes out. Let someone hurt your kids or get, make you good and mad and see what you think first. Right away, boom, your quick reaction to that. That's it. That's human nature. And, and we, we get better with age. I understand that. We, we do with Christians. That's old. The Jesus, yeah, Jesus said, I know you're poverty, but you're rich. Oh, you're rich. I want to tell this group listening this morning, I believe every word of that. I believe I've been in crowds of people whose bank accounts have no end, and I was the richest man in the room. I believe that. Praise God. I've been to places that preach funerals and weddings and places I looked around, and it was such a group of just licentiousness, just nastiness around me. But they, but they came in big cars with big wallets, and they thought that gave them reason to be. And their daughter and granddaughter was getting married, and they had a reason to have a party and be nasty. And I knew this. I knew this. They would laugh at my checking account. But I'm the wealthiest man here. I know something they don't know, and I believe it, and they don't even care about it. I'm there as a token guy to make it form like it, make it formal, I guess, make it legal. I have people come to me and say, would you marry us? And I say, well, let's talk about it. I've turned down weddings and I've turned down funerals. Oh, I have other pastor friends that say, man, you can't do that. Uh, yes, I can. If you're going to make a mockery of my Christ, I don't want to be part. I don't want my name on that paper. Why would you even call a preacher if you want? Did a wedding not long ago, and the night, the night before the wedding, we're out of town. The night before the wedding, the bride to be says to me, "I don't want this, this, and this in my wedding." After the rehearsal, we're at the rehearsal dinner. We're out of town. I said, you don't. <laughs> she said, no. They handed me these two little books and said, we've written our own vows. And I said, if you do that, I want to read them first. That's okay, isn't it? I want to read those things. I read them and said, those are very nice. Those are actually very nice. I, I'm fine with that. And then the bride looked at me and said, but I don't want this in our wedding, and she named about four things. I said, really? This is when you're going to tell me that? Because we met for dinner two months before that and talked about it, and she was fine with all of it. And I said, you're getting what I have. Now you can fire me now, or get married, what do we say so tomorrow? We're going to, we're going to have the Lord in our wedding. Can I tell you this this morning? I don't care how big your house is. If Christ isn't there, you don't have a home. You have a house with people in it. 
People come to me all the time and say, my marriage is falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. And I, folks, nine times out of ten, it's because there's no Christ in that house. There's a bunch of people living in a house together. It's not an actual home. And they're all struggling. They don't have the glue. <laughs> there's no glue there. They don't have the common peace and joy and the purpose and goals in life that Christ gives us. And they're all trying to do something on their own. It's not working out. Ask a man, did you say you love your wife? You tell her that? He said, I told her. When did you tell her? Well, I've said it before. At our wedding, I said it, I know. I said, wow, you expect her to have a memory like that? I'm not here to pick on anybody. I'm here to say this. Christ knows all about us. And he suffered everything. He knows everything. And he says, you think you're poor? Oh, you're rich. You are rich. I say this because I believe within me, I believe this, that the church is going to suffer some persecution shortly. That's true. I believe persecution is going to come in a way that we've never seen. And we read the words where we go, well, I had read that before, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. Quick. When the first churches were, after Christ resurrected, the first churches were meeting, the Roman government got against them. Folks, they met underground and they met in sewage that was waist deep. They met in the catacombs. The catacombs is not part of a coliseum. It's not part of a synagogue. It is underground in the sewers. They met in waist deep or more sewage. And as their brothers and sisters in Christ died, they dug a hole in the wall and laid them in there. They were standing between rotting corpses. Reading from the Old Testament parchments. And when they finished, they ate the papers. They had torches and they were standing in sewage with rotting bodies beside them because they wouldn't deny the Christ. And they knew when we go up there, when we go up out of this into the light, if they see us, they'll kill us. If they ask us what we were doing, they're going to kill us. And they all had a prayer at the end. They held hands and they sang hymns and they had a prayer. And they said, if we die, we die. Jesus is the Christ. Lord, son, I know your persecution. I know it. I know there's liars in the church. I know there are infiltrators into the church who say they are Jews, which just means they say they're something they're not. You have people in your church who call themselves Christians. All they can do is tear, the, tear everything down with the telephone when they get home or gossip and talk about you and tell what you're preaching and take it to the workplace and say he believes this and he believes that. Yeah, I know I'm in trouble. I know what I'm upset about me. And I'm, I'm going to tell you every Sunday, God made male and female. That's the way it is. Male and female made he them. And if you're confused about what you are, it's not God's fault, it's yours. If someone comes in my business and I say, sir, and they, they think they're a ma'am, I can be sued for that and lose my business. That's the law today. Yeah, it it's a law. Their confusion can cause me to have no place to work. What do I say when they walk in? Hey, yet? 
sit down, it. What do you say? I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to their rules. I'm not going to do it. No. I will not. Christ is the one who knows. I'll tell you, I told you that about those funerals and weddings for this purpose. I decided some years ago, I made a decision. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. I'm going to preach what he gives me to preach, and I'm going to give him the consequences. I'm not even going to take the consequences. If you want to get mad and leave here, goodbye to you and your nasty, hateful self. You were bringing this place down like nobody's business. Spirits come in this door. And I want to tell you this. I, believe, I, I can feel a spirit come in here that's contrary to the, to the building, to the place, and to the Word of God. I can feel it come in the door. And if you want to get mad at me and, and leave here, please, please do that. The rest of us will keep on having a nice day. And if you ever go to a church that are not preaching the Bible, vote with your absence. Vote with your feet. Get up and get out of there. Don't sit and listen to those kind of things. Get out of there. Don't give to that. Don't give your attention and don't give your money. Not to that. But isn't it true that the Lord says, I love you? Do you know that his love is different than our love? You know when the Lord says, I love you, it means a whole different thing than most of us by the word love. The Lord says, I love you, man. There's so much behind that that we don't even know yet. And when we get to heaven one day, when we really see the eternal kingdom, we're going to go, wow. I've met people that are educated people, and they're proud of that. But they tell me this. First, they tell me they're Christians. I don't believe them, but they tell me about heaven, what they think heaven will be. And they tell me this. I think when I get there, they'll look around and go, yeah, this is about what I expected. Paul used the word moron once in the Bible. I use it a lot more than he did. Who thinks you're going to go to heaven and go, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, there you go. Just what I had in mind. I'm sorry, you had no mind. You didn't have this, shut up. Folks, can you imagine when he opens us to the splendors of heaven, what he says, this is yours, what, welcome to the kingdom? We haven't seen colors like we'll see there. We don't breathe the air that's there. We don't have the clarity of mind, the, the physical strength. That, we don't have anything we're going to have there. And Paul said it the best. We know how to say it. Now I see through a glass darkly. Now I'm looking through a pond water in a big aquarium. I can't even see across to the other side. But then that day, the clarity. Oh, what the Lord's going to say. Welcome home, son. What I do, you believe me. What I do for all of this, you believe me. Without seeing what is without seeing what it is, you believe what I said. It's all yours. It's all for you. You believe that? What the Bible says. No more suffering, no pain, no tears, no crying, all gone. Can you imagine that? Of course you can, you're a genius. I can't. This world, throws, this world throws around scholarship way too, too light-handed in my book. Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 18, he said this, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints 
What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to his mighty working power? I want to close with this this morning. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 13, if you have a Bible with you. Matthew chapter 13. Begin in verse 24. Matthew 13 and 24, he said, Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, it appeared, uh, then appeared tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said to them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said to him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Listen carefully. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. That's right. Praise God, yes. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good stuff? How the tares get in there? While men slept, his enemy came. While, he, while men slept, his enemy came. I was preaching one Sunday in, in Lawrence, and a lady came and brought three little kids with her. And I was preaching that sermon. I got toward the end of it, and she jumped to her feet like something pinched her. And she grabbed the little kids, and out they went. Well, the best thing about a door that I know of is you can go in and out that thing. The best thing is a door is you can go in and out the door. And so I got home after services. I got home and I was um, forcing myself to have lunch. <laughs> and she said, the phone rang. The phone rang and she said, did you see me jump up and leave church? I said, who is this? Said, oh, yeah, 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 I did. I did see you. I said, are you okay? And she said, I was as soon as I left. And I said, okay. All right, thank you. And she goes, what? I said, I'm, I'm eating. And, she's, and so she was talking to me. She said, you want, you want to know why I left? I said, am I going to hear it anyway? <laughs> she said, yes. I said, okay. I asked in my sermons in those days more often than I do now. If it was against the law to be a Christian... Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you? And folks, if you think that's funny or you think it's weird, know this, that day's coming shortly. If it's against the law to be a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life to get you convicted? And she said, I've never heard such hateful talking in my life. 
I said, well, you haven't been around my family or friends, clearly, but uh, really. And she goes, I'm not going to sit and let my kids hear that kind of hateful talk. And I said, are you done? Because I'm really hungry here. I'm, I'm eating. My plate's getting cold. So, Folks, we give the word of God. This is this parable of the soul is a wonderful parable. And the Lord said the word is, the seed is the word. And he lays out four kinds of hearers, receivers. The first one springs up quick and goes away. The second one, a little bit of time and persecution comes or friends make fun, family says something to them, they quit. The third group, I think, is the most widespread of the three, of the four. It is this, when the cares of this life and lust for other things take them away. I think that's the biggest group. I honestly do. I've had people come and hear the gospel, get all happy. Couldn't They call me. They can't believe it. They're all, and a month later, you can't find them. Well, they met some friends for supper, and they told them they were fools, and they quit. Who's fool you want to be? I mean, if you can imagine things I've been called since I've been in the ministry, it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter. The Lord said there are these three kinds, the first three, and they all... No fruit. But that last group, he said, Luke calls it a good and honest heart. Luke's rendition of that parable says a good and honest heart. And they produce some 30, some 60, some 100-fold fruit. I've watched people come to this congregation where I'm preaching. They come in and sit down, and I open up with some silly talk or a joke or something, get them, and they're happy and grinning. And then I get in the Word of God and they get real offended. And they look at each other. They look at, sometimes they get up and leave. Mostly they wait till they get to the back so they can say something to me. Oh, the pain. You know. Wow. That changes everything. You didn't like it? I'm not crazy about it either, but I gave you the best I had. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Can I tell you this? And I'm done this morning. Shortly, shortly, the church is going to be persecuted like never before. Amen. Everything's adding up to it, leading up to it. We might have a reprieve here for some time. But the truth is, the Bible says the Antichrist is going to come in control. And it's going to be a lot of the church members who put him there. That's right. False brethren. Amen, brother. And these are the people who are going to turn on us and hate us, and they're going to talk bad about us. He says in this, to this church, I know the blasphemy of these people. That means they make villains of you. They villainize you. They make villains of you for standing for something they're against. And most of the time, these people are mad at you not because they don't really believe it. It's because they don't have the strength to stand up, and they're mad that you do. That's the truth. It's an ugly jealousy. They've heard the truth before, hopefully, somewhere in church. But there's going to come a day when it's going to get real difficult to be a Christian. But you know what? We're still Christian. Who are we going to serve on that day? Who are we going to serve? Lord, you gave me 64 really good years. Is there a bad one coming where i got to walk away because it's not real good anymore? 
How many years have you been Christian? What are you going to do when the Lord, when the, when the world comes and knocks on the door and says it's against the law to be a Christian? It's against the law. We're coming in. We're coming in. The Lord says, if you stand to the end, I'll save you. That's not the same salvation as when he says, I'll save your soul. He says, I'm going to save you in that situation. If you endure until the end, I'll save you. We've had a wild last two and a half years, and I've gotten more comments about this than anything else. You've got to die of something. You've got to die of something. I'm not giving up my life just because someone said so. They might take it from me, but I'm not going to give my life up because someone said so. They're not in charge, and I'm not afraid. As they walk in right now, Lord, I'm telling you this. If you live your life for Jesus Christ and you give all you have to him and you're his servant, he's your Lord and you know it, he knows it, you're happy with that, today's as good a day as any, isn't it? When is a good day to go to heaven? Well, I'm 117 years old. Nothing's working anymore. Well, not much is working now and I'm 64. What do I want to wait till it gets worse? I'm here as long as he has me here. And you know why I'm here? To do what he called me to do. And that's to build up the kingdom. It's not for me and Janet to have more in our old age. We have stuff now that we don't need. Please tell her that. We, no, 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 please don't. I think I, I think I just did. But don't you really have stuff? I'm serious, folks. In honest truth, we'll quit. The Lord loves you, and he says, I have more than you can even understand. The Bible says we can't imagine what he has in store for us. I'm going to tell you a little secret about me. I believe that. Oh, amen, brother. I believe when he shows me what he has for me, I'm going to be so awestruck. First of all, humbled by the fact that he would allow me to be part of it. And second, that's for me. That's right. You did that for me. Nasty little boy who... Mouth gets away from him from time to time. I know you can't believe that. From time to time, I say things that I shouldn't. Time to time, I do things I shouldn't. But he said this, because you said you trusted me before you could see what I have. It's all for you. And it's for all of us, every one of us, everyone. In a place you'll never hurt, never cry, never feel bad, never get old. And you can eat from the tree of eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? And by the way, that's what he said at the end of this message. I'll give to you, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, I'll give to you the eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Well, I believe this, and you can read all you want, but I believe this. The one that, well, the one that God said no in the garden, he said you can't have it. Now you've taken the knowledge of it. Good and evil tree, you can't have this tree of, of life. You don't want to live like that forever. You can't have of that tree. That was mercy on his part. Once you got into a, a, yeah. a fallen state, you can't take of this tree and live forever in that state. I won't let you. I won't let you live forever like that. Good. I'm going to redeem you. I, think he, I believe he transplanted that tree in heaven. I think he took that tree, that very tree, and put it right in heaven and said, Now, now when you come home this time, have all you want. 
Don't you think so? Eat freely of the tree of life. I don't know what that fruit. I don't know what that fruit is. There's 12 matters of fruit on it. 12 different kinds of fruit. I'm hoping one of them is a banana, but I don't know. But I know this: when you eat of that tree, you're gonna go, man. Something in that fruit. I believe I can fly, and we probably can. Whole different dimension. Are you gonna trust him when it gets ugly? I didn't say when you got ugly, that's a whole different story. And that's the here and now. Do you think you will trust him when it gets ugly out there? You know what we need to do? Just pray for grace in that day. Pray for grace in that day. Praise God. Amen, brother. Pray for grace in that. You say, Lord, when it comes to that day, I'm not, I'm not crazy about having someone shoot me. But I'd rather be shot and live in their world, in a world of bondage. But this is the answer. When that, whatever it is, however it happens, Lord, would you give me grace in that day? You read the stories of martyrs, even the Anne Frank, and you read bon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You read those things that said a lot of the guards got saved because of the way people died with the grace of Christ. You're what now? We went to see the movie Paul, and uh, it's a movie. But at the end of it, they're taking him down to kill him. You see the movie? Anybody see the movie? You think? Oh, yeah, I saw the movie. We're the only ones. They take Paul down to take his head off, and it has a man standing there with a sword, and he has a guillotine, he has a chopping block. And I believe this, though. They were walking down there, got pretty close, and he took Paul turned around to the guard, and he shook his hand and started talking to him, and he was clearly witnessing to him. And then he laid his head on the block and that's the end of the movie. I believe he did that. You know, Paul said, halfway through his ministry, a third, a third way to his ministry, I'd rather be there than here. Yeah. I'm here for your sake, not mine. I'd be way better off to get out of this place. But you need me here to tell you the truth. I hope you love him this morning. Thanks for coming. The days are coming. Christ speaks to the persecuted church and says this, you think you're poor, but you're richer than you know. Right. Isn't that good news? We had some people sick this week, and, and some people are out and different things, and I have a special request for a family who's struggling right now. The marriage is struggling, and that means the family is struggling. And so it's an unspoken in that regard, but it's a family who really struggling with some issues right now. And they'd ask that I would ask you all to talk to Jesus about it, to ask him to, for help. And that's why we're here, isn't it? Yeah, How would you do that? You don't know the problem, but the Lord does. And I'll tell you what, while I'm saying that, I want to say that every family here needs prayer. Every family in this room needs prayer. And if it's not for something that needs to be healed, it's for more grace to be thankful that we don't have those troubles. He's good to us, folks. And so I want to ask you to pray with me now. And Could, I want to add one to it. Okay. In, in Finland today, there's a, a lady, she's called MP, which means she's a Congress lady. And in all of the e EU, 
Uh, they have the laws, they're called hate speech, the same dumb stuff we've got here that's uh, against God's will. Anyway, she wrote an email quoting the Bible verses on, on uh, or a Bible verse on sodomy. Lesbian, gay, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she's hauled off to jail, interrogated for 17 hours. She's on trial, and she's going to face two years in prison if she doesn't win. I, I, I can't pronounce her name, but uh, pray for her. She's, I'd say, older, middle-aged. She's standing for God's will in this issue. We'll see it here shortly because it's already on the books. Anyway, pray for her, please. She's standing tall, but she needs help. Help of the Lord. Well, I'll face it. Anybody else have a prayer request before we go? Andy, thanks for coming today. You came before and you came back. That's the important part. You came, it's amazing, but you've bad, been here. Bad penny's always That's back. right. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Good to see you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this hour. And we ask now that you would just absolutely teach us by your spirit and, and drive deep into our souls and our spirits, our minds, our hearts, the truth of your word. Lord, may we take to heart truly the message of the qualified messenger saying these are the things that I promise you even in the world of trouble all the things that you face I'm here and it's going to be alright more than that and so Father we just ask that we'd have that peace and confidence in your Christ this morning in what your purpose and plans are for us and what our future will be and we thank you for that Lord, we thank you for this congregation, this group this morning who are here and all who are listening. And we pray for the family who asked for special requests for trouble of marriage. And, of course, that means with the children, the home, and all that's involved. And we just ask that this week, each one of us here, as it comes up by the Holy Spirit into our minds, that we would just bring it up to your, to your throne again and ask for grace, ask for understanding, for resolution. Lord, we thank you for each one here. We pray for every family that's represented here this morning. To be alive means we have issues. Lord, just be with us. Help us to know your grace. Help us to know when the problems are solved. It's you that did it. And help us to be grateful. We pray for this morning, this woman who's standing against the evils of this world. Give her strength and comfort and aid, we pray. Show yourself strong in her behalf. Show the world who you are through her. We pray that this morning. And now we ask your blessings. Bring us back here safely. Take us through the week. Help us to be light in a dark place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let's sing uh, one more time, please. Uh, find a hymnal and turn to page 242. Page 242. And we'll do the first two verses, one and two. Jesus, I come.